Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning, even if it is via the interwebs. Um, my name is Matt Halp. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View Church. If you're joining us online for the very first time, um, hopefully you've enjoyed worship so far. I know I have. Man, what a great worship says. Powerful today. Um, and uh, we're glad that you've joined us. Um, we are in, uh, actually finishing up a sermon series called All Things New. We've been looking at how um, Jesus makes all things new. And we've looked at a lot of different things, but it's been really powerful. But before I jump into today's sermon, you can grab your Bibles at this time. Um, I know they're probably around your house somewhere. You can go grab your Bible. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, and you can turn to Acts chapter 2. While you're turning there, though, I want to just share some reflections I've had this past week in my prayer times. For years, um, I've, I've attended church every week. Um, as a kid growing up, uh, my parents were at church every time the doors were open. And for the first time in 43 years, um, I have not been able to attend church and be with the church family. Um, this is our seventh Sunday, if I'm counting correctly, our seventh Sunday where we will have not gathered together as a church face to face. We're doing it online. Now, as I was reflecting on that this past week, I've sat through sermons and I've preached sermons that talk about not forgoing the gathering of the saints and, and how the church uh, is meant to live out their lives in community together, doing life together. Um, I've heard these things. I've sat under that teaching and I've taught that myself. And as I've gone through this and reflecting on this this past week, I have found there, there is a deeper value than I've ever understood or known about in the gathering of the saints. Now, we know that when the Bible teaches us something, there's a truth in God's word that it's there for a reason, that it's there for our good, that it's there for the glory of God. And um, I think, I don't know about, I'm speaking for myself and I may be speaking for many others, but I think that I've taken for granted uh, the ability, the joy, the peace, and the hope that we get from gathering together as a church, face to face. You know, there's so many things as we fellowship with one another, just hang out and talk about life and, and sing songs together. I'm in here this morning, um, um, me and a couple sound guys and video guys, and I'm singing in the back of the auditorium all by myself at the top of my lungs, and, and I don't hear any other voices. Uh, it's, it's totally different as you're sitting in seats surrounded by uh, friends and family, uh, uh, people that, that, that you know them, you know that their kids, you know what they're going through, you know the struggles that they have in their life and, and you hear them singing and maybe you, you, you can hear the, the tremble in their voice because of, of the Holy Spirit, you know, meeting with them and ministering to them and as you're singing together, you, you know, you hear the harmonies that happen and, and then you're sitting together hearing God's word preached and and, you, you know, you hear uh, Pat Culpepper with a strong amen or, or somebody else says something and, and you're encouraged because you're saying, oh, wow, they're getting the same thing out of this that I am. And I don't know, I just, I just feel like we've taken the gathering of the saints, the, the gathering of the church together somewhat for granted. And I say that because, you know, on average, the average church attender will attend church 1.8 times a month, if, I, if I'm remembering the statistics correctly. It's around 1.8 times a month. 
And now that we haven't been able to gather for seven weeks, I, I can't help but see the reality of what God would have for us as we gather together. So I, I am beyond excited about um, our leadership, our, our country's leadership's plan of rolling things back out. I know it's going to be slow. I know it's going to be different. But um, I'm beyond excited that um, we will be gathering together as a church soon. I just want to encourage you, as your pastor, Mission View Church, if you call this church your church home, we're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. We are going to gather back together as a church. And you know what? God's using this. God's using this for his glory. He's using it for our sanctification, our growth and our change. He's using it in our lives. And um, hopefully he's using it to extend his kingdom. We know he's using it to extend his kingdom. And he's giving you opportunities to talk to your neighbors, encourage your neighbors, and share the gospel in practical and um, life-changing ways with the people that you're surrounded by, your circle of responsibility. So um, I think there's so much that God has for us um, gathering together face-to-face and doing church, doing life together. So um, I want to encourage you that um, we're, we're nearing the end of this isolation, this quarantine. And um, when we gather back together, um, I'm really looking forward to that. I want to encourage you with that. But um, let's jump into today's sermon. Um, last week, uh, we talked about how we are people filled with the Holy Spirit. That is one of the Trinity. I love the, the song selection this morning, one of my favorite songs. Uh, this I believe. I believe in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We talked about last week that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk this week about the, the uh, birth of the church. I love this text in Acts 2. It is super powerful. It, it makes me think about... Um, birth. You know, um, I remember when every, all three of my kids were born. I remember the anticipation, the excitement, kind of the chaos that was going on in that hospital room as nurses were tending to my wife, um, um, tending to me when I almost passed out. <laughs> and, uh, and the doctor came in at the last minute, you know, and, and our, our, our children are born in that that just miraculous idea. You see this, like you walk into the hospital, two people, and, and you are gonna walk out three. It's amazing that, that my wife carried these, these little lives in her womb for nine months. And, and it's just this, this life-changing reality as you're walking out in the miracle of childbirth. Now, uh, in Acts 2, we see the birth of the church and this same anticipation, the same excitement, and, and, and even some chaos is happening as we look on the scene of the church being born. And it's just an amazing story. Now, think about this. This is some 2,000 years later. Here we are. We're, we're gathering online, and we are a byproduct of this miraculous supernatural work that God does. And, and we're doing this today. Think about that. 2,000 years and the church is still gathering together all over the world. Right now, today, Sunday morning, at different time zones and different things, but Sunday mornings, churches are gathering because of what we're about to read in Acts chapter 2. That's crazy. I mean, how many things last 2,000, 2000 years and, and just go on strong and, and pick up momentum? How many things under such persecution 
around the world that the church has suffered would grow under great persecution. How many things? Not, nothing. We have never seen anything like what we're about to talk about today. And it's, it's the, really, the reason we haven't seen anything like it is because it is a supernatural, miraculous power of God working his will and his way. It's amazing. So I want to um, pick up our story in Acts chapter 2. Let's, let's go ahead and pray before we jump in uh, to our sermon. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can open your word this morning. God, we thank you for technology that allows us to do this. Even while we are in quarantine in our homes, God, we recognize that we are a church gathered together today. And I'll, albeit not face to face, we are gathered together in spirit, focused on you, unified in your truth and worshiping you recognizing your glory, recognizing your power, and surrendering our lives to you. Father, we pray that you would open up this word to us, that as we read it, your Holy Spirit, which lives inside of us, would bring understanding, that it would illuminate these words, that, that it would take deep root in our lives, that the truth of your word would change us, that we wouldn't leave um, this sermon today, the same people, that we would be a different people because God, you change us, you grow us, and you make us who you want us to be. So God, we just surrender to your word, your truth. We say, have your way in us, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, as I was planning this sermon out, I'm just gonna give you a warning here. <laughs> as I was planning this sermon out, I plan on going through the first 13 verses but man, I just got so excited uh, with this uh, that we're going to go a lot further. Let's just see how far we can go in this text this morning. It's going to be awesome. And uh, let's just dive into it. Acts chapter two, we're starting verse one here. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. Now that, here we go. This is kind of a hot topic, hot button for churches today, right? They began to speak in tongues. Tongues of fire were, were on them. Now, what they were talking about and what we're going to find in the text, the truth about this is, is they were speaking in other languages. So, so God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, gave them utterance to other languages. Now, what we're going to realize is that God did this so that as they were sharing the truth about who Jesus was, that he truly was the Messiah, that he came from heaven, put on flesh, that God became man, and then died on the cross and were crucified by the people that they were talking to, right? So he, they're going to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And the bad news is, is that people they're sharing this good news with are the people that said crucify him, all right? So there's this whole craziness going on here that's really amazing. So let's not get caught up in this tongues of fire idea. It is speaking in different languages by the supernatural power of the spirit in them. Awesome stuff, right? Great stuff. Verse five, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Wow. God knows how to pick his timing, right? He knows when to, when to share the good news, right? Everybody's there. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them in his own language. There we have it. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians, Medes, and 
Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes and Christians and Arabians, we, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. The mighty works of God. The good news of Jesus, who Jesus was, the Messiah. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. All right, let's stop there in the text today. The first thing I want to point out, the first filling in your notes, hopefully you were able to grab those off the the website, missionviewchurch.org. Feel free to jump on there. Um, These notes should be posted there for you. But the first filling is this, the Holy Spirit makes us different. The Holy Spirit sounds really simple, right? But I want to talk about three ways that the Holy Spirit makes us different. Three ways that we see these apostles different um, because of the Holy Spirit living in them. The first one is one that we talk about almost every week here at Mission View Church. I know I, I, I'm probably just beating a dead horse with this one, but man, it's all through scripture. So you're going to hear me talk about this all the time. It's, it's the first one is this. The first of the three ways that the Holy Spirit makes us different is this, is that we are being sanctified. We are being changed for God's glory. Sanctified just means change. That God is changing us for his glory, that he would be glorified in what we do, how we act, how we speak. We are being changed. You are not the same person you were yesterday because of God's amazing, gracious, merciful work of sanctification or change in your life. Isn't that good to know? That is, that is, <laughs> that is really good news. I, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I am not the same Matt that I was five years ago, right? I mean, I can look back at my life. Let's just, let's just say seven years. Let's just take a moment and think about seven years ago. It's, you know, let's say 2013. It was 2000. What were you doing in 2013? What kind of person were you in 2013? I, I mean, I am so different than I was in 2013. God has shown me so many things. His Holy Spirit has, has changed me in so many good ways just in that time. That is the Holy Spirit's powerful work of change or the big church word sanctification for that. You know, God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He is going to intervene in your life. When you surrender your life to him, when you give your life to him, maybe you're out there and you haven't even given your life to God yet. Maybe you haven't recognized this miraculous work that I'm talking about, that these guys are talking in tongues about this Messiah, this Jesus Christ who, who was, was man but was, was God. And, and he came down from heaven to, to live that perfect life that, that we can't live, that we mess up all the time, right? And he lived a perfect life and, and thought indeed, and, and then he died a sinner's death that we deserved, taking the wrath of God that was meant for us. He took he was crucified, murdered by his own creation. And three days later, rose again, which we just celebrated, which the world just celebrated just a couple weeks ago. Maybe you haven't trusted him yet. He's not gonna leave you alone. He's going to come after you. Will you surrender to him? This is the amazing work that God does in us. We are being crafted. We are being shaped to reflect the glory of our creator. God wants to be glorified in your life. 
God wants to be glorified in your life. You have an opportunity to show the world the grace, mercy, goodness, justice, and power of God in the way you live, speak, and care for others. God wants to do that, and God is doing that in you. When you give your life to Jesus and trust in his saving work on the cross and his victorious work in the resurrection, he begins, he begins and will finish that great work in you. God, God through Paul says it the best in Philippians 1.6 and it says this, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That is what we can count on. God will do it. What a great work is happening in you and me. The second thing that makes us different about the Holy Spirit is this, boldness. We have boldness. And I love this. I love this picture here because, right, these are these... These apostles, you know, sitting around, the Holy Spirit comes on them and then they just go out and there's, there's these Jews from all over the world and they just spouting, they're spouting off the great works of God through the person of Jesus Christ, right? So this is the gospel. This is, okay, just weeks earlier, right? These guys ran and hid. They were, they were terrified I mean, even Peter, the one who says to Jesus, I'll never betray you. And Jesus says, well, you're, by the time the cock crows, you're going to betray me three times. And he's like, what? And he does it. You know, these, these guys who claim boldness, who, who were, you know, walked with Jesus for three years, saw the miracles, saw the feeding of the 5,000, saw the dead raised, saw leprosy cured. I mean, these guys were eyewitnesses to the work of Jesus, which was miraculous, you know, unbelievable, ran and hid. I mean, this is, this is just weeks after this. I mean, think about that. I mean, these guys go from, from chickening out and just running away to out in the streets proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah to people who crucified Jesus for saying he was the Messiah. Now that is boldness and it's amazing. We are bold because we know that Jesus was the Messiah and that means that we know the end of the story. We know who wins you know, it's, it's hard to go through life, right? The ups and the downs, the mountaintops and the deep, dark valleys. We go through these things and forget who has us in his hands. We forget that God is God. We lose sight of the hope we have in Jesus. As I'm talking about this boldness and, you know, God working in our lives, I couldn't help but think of him. Um, kind of the, uh, the weigh-ins that happen before the fighters fight. You know, if you've ever watched the UFC, like this Conor McGregor, you have these guys. So what happens if you're not familiar with like boxing or um, mixed martial arts or anything like that? They have to get to a certain weight uh, before the, you know, the fight happens. And that's called the weigh-ins. And at the weigh-ins, you go and you stand on this scale and, and then you go wait and the other guy comes in and then you do a face-off. And these guys, there's some of these, it's kind of like Muhammad Ali, who's always talking trash and everything else. But these guys are so confident. 
I mean, they come out and like Conor McGregor does these walks. It's hilarious as they come in and they're sticking out their chest and they get face to face like this and their noses are touching. Sometimes they push each other and they just, they're so confident and they're, they're, they know that they're going to win and they, they think that there's actually no way they can be beat, that they are better than everyone else. Their boldness is based on an unknown future. All fighters lose. All of them have lost. All of them have been embarrassed or knocked out. McGregor lost. Ali lost. We will not lose. We have already won. The war has been won. We have reason to be bold. Not like those guys, but we have reason to be bold because of the good news of Jesus Christ, knowing that God is going to do what he wants to do because he's God, he's sovereign, and he has the power to do whatever he wants to do. The story is written and the ending is penned. God will have his way in your life specifically. God will have his way in your life. Not just his way with the world and, and the end and eternity, but God will have his way in your life. That's really good news. And we can be thankful for that. Isn't that, isn't that good to know that the war has been won and that Jesus has won it? We can be thankful and full of joy. And that's the third thing that we get when we have the Holy Spirit. We can be thankful and full of joy. This is a big one. When we realize our true circumstances, it is really amazing. When we realize our true circumstances, grasping the truth of our true circumstances is one of the hardest parts. Think about it. The truth about who you are. Not who your parents say you are. Not who your teachers say you are. Not who your boss says you are. Not who your co-workers say you are. Not who your friends say you are. But who God says you are. The truth about who you are. We find a part of it in Ephesians 1 that says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. You were set aside to be adopted, to be made holy, to be called a son of God. That means that you have an inheritance. Sons have an inheritance. You have an inheritance. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This is this. This is who you are set aside, set apart for God's glory. You've heard me say it before, but before time began, before anything was created, God knew your name. He knew when you'd be born. He knew who your parents would be. 
And it says, the, God's word says that before time began, he set aside good things for you to do. You have a mission that God has set aside and predestined for you long before you ever took your first breath. It says, in love, he predestined you. He lavished his goodness on you. Man, that is just so, that is crazy good. I didn't read all of it, but I just encourage you to read Ephesians 1 and 2. It's good stuff. That is who you are according to God. If we could just grab hold of that truth and just run with it, right? Just, just believe that and live that. Wow. Then the truth about heaven, your, your eternal destination. You know, think about that. I mean, we can be thankful and joyful because the truth about heaven. Heaven's not some cloud where you're going to be sitting around playing some harp, but a real place with relationships and learning and, and growth where sin doesn't exist. Temptation doesn't exist. Where fighting and lying doesn't exist. Death doesn't exist. Heaven is real and Jesus is preparing a place for you and me. We will be reunited with our brothers and sisters in Christ that have gone on before us. What a joy and hope we have in Christ. We have all suffered the loss of a loved one, someone close to us that maybe was taken at a young age or taken at an old age. And, and we just, there's this, this angst, this, this struggle inside of us that, that, that we weren't created for death. We were created for eternity. And there, there should be that angst and struggle. But there's this hope that comes along with it, Christian. That, that God, that Jesus is up in heaven, even now preparing a place for you and me. And our loved ones, our brothers and sisters in Christ that have gone on before us, we will see them again. All the suffering and, and all of that, that brokenness that we've had to deal with, we be gone. And we will have that eternal joy and paradise with our creator this is just amazing, amazing stuff. We can be thankful and full of joy. And we know heaven is real because of Jesus. When Jesus talked about heaven, when Jesus talked about eternity, he backed up everything he said when he came out of the grave after three days. We know it's real because he said it's real. Now, the second thing, the second felony you notes today as we move on, is this, the Holy Spirit compels us to speak. Let's look at it in verses 14 through 36. Acts 2, 14 through 36. But Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes the great and magnificent day. 
And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. And of that, we all are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Could you, ima- could you imagine sitting through that? This is Peter's, Peter's sermon as he's sharing the gospel. This Jesus who you crucified. He says it two times through there. Can, can you imagine that? Think about that. Peter had to let them know. He couldn't hold it in. This, this good news that the Messiah had come. People people need to hear this. The world that we live in is desperate, longing for fulfillment and joy and satisfaction and freedom. We live in a world that is caught up in darkness. They don't even know it. They're just going about their lives day after day, living in with no real destiny or purpose. We are each created with a gaping hole in us, in our hearts that can only be filled by God. Think, think about how you changed when Jesus entered your heart. The Holy Spirit filled your life. All of the, all of the questions and wanting and desperation were changed. Things changed. We live in a world, you you live in a home that is next door to someone who doesn't have God in their lives. They are looking to alcohol. They're looking to entertainment. They're looking to a job. They're looking to a spouse. They're looking to drugs. They're looking to sex. They're looking for some type of lasting satisfaction and fulfillment. And it can only be found in Christ. And you have Christ, the Holy Spirit, living in you. Peter had to say something 
because he was changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to say something because we have been changed by the Holy Spirit. Now, think about it. It is not what we say or how we say it, but that what we say is the word of God and then what God does with it. It is not about us. When we talk about sharing the good news, when we talk about our circle of responsibility, it is not about you. It is not about us. It is about obedience. And it is about trusting in the miraculous work that only God can do in the hearts of man. We cannot contain the joy that we have in the good news. If we can, then we probably don't have the true good news. Think about it. I've been watching. I don't know if you guys have been watching this, but on um, Facebook, there's this, I think it's called Stark County Takeout or whatever. And um, everybody's like, you know, they post, hey, I'm looking for good donuts. And everybody's like, Johnny's and Doco. And and they'll list all these. And then hundreds of people jump on there like, Doco for the win, or this is the best, or they show pictures, you know, they're just posting all these pictures. Or you can post on there, hey, I'm looking for good Chinese takeout. Does anybody have any suggestions? And Next thing you know, there's 30 Chinese restaurants listed on there and the phone numbers and then people's favorite, you know, items off the menu or whatever. They just can't hold, they just can't hold it back. You know, they're like, oh, you got to know about this place. This place is amazing. You got you to check out Doko. You got to check out Pavs. You know what? Doko is great. Pavs is great. But Jesus is better. We have, we have something that is so much better than a great cream-filled donut. Something that is so much better than a peanut butter ice cream sundae. We have Christ. If we would share Christ like we would share uh, Doko or Pabs, this would be a different city, people. North Canton would be a different city. You know, sometimes, sometimes it may be as easy as asking your neighbor, how are you doing? You know, um, our neighbor just came, we were in our backyard just a couple weeks ago, our neighbor's kids, uh, we have, there's two little kids that live down the street from us. They love playing um, uh, ball with our dog, uh, Ella. She's, she's a big Rottweiler, kind of scary, but she's just a big baby. And the kids come over and they throw the tennis ball with Ella. And, and um, so they just love to do that. And so they come over and they're throwing the ball with Ella. And, and it was good just to stand there. And, and instead of just saying, you know, great weather we're having here today, but to, to say, how are you? How are you doing with all this? You know, how's, how's work? Are you, are you working? You know, is there anything that we can do for you? How can I be praying for you? And turning that conversation from, wow, the weather's great, or we're cooking out tonight to, you know, God, man, I've, I've had a real peace through this time. I'm just thankful for what God's doing in my life. How can I be praying for you? Turning that conversation to the spiritual side of things. It's amazing what kind of response we can get. Sometimes it's just as easy as asking them, how are you? How can I be praying for you right now in this time? What a great opportunity we've had. What a great opportunity we've had in this time. Let's move on. Uh, Point number three here is this. The Holy Spirit enables others to hear. This is a big one. The Holy Spirit enables others to hear. Let's read verses 37 through 41. 
Now, when they heard this, the people who were hearing in their own languages, these, these Jews from all other nations and everything else, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. What good news is that? And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. There it is, the birth of the church, like I talked about earlier. These, these cowardice men who ran off and hid just weeks before, now with the boldness of the Holy Spirit, proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah, proclaiming forgiveness of sins found in the work of Christ at the cross, all of the, the weight and all of the, the condemnation and, 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 and conviction that, that the sin had, had wrought on the people now could be released because of the work of Jesus Christ. What a great thing. I love those words. That, that they say after they've heard this good news that Jesus brings, this forgiveness and freedom that we have in Christ. They say, brothers, what shall we do? What do we do? He simply says, repent and be baptized. Repent of your sin. God moves on the hearts of men. It is not your responsibility. It is not our responsibility to save people. It's God's. It is our responsibility to share the truth, our, our joy and thankfulness in the good news, our testimony about the work of God in us. That's our responsibility. That's what we've been commanded to do. God saves people by the power of his Holy Spirit, his supernatural working in the hearts of people. In Jeremiah 17, it says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Well, thankfully, that's a rhetorical question because it goes on and it says this, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. You will, sh you will share it the way God created you. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that was my notes added onto the scripture there. That's not what the scripture says. Verse 10 finishes this way. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. I wanted to say this, you will share it the way that God created you to share it. God created all of us differently. And that's a really cool thing. I am still amazed that every human being on the planet has a different fingerprint. I don't know. That is just mind boggling to me of all the billions of people on the planet that every one of us have different fingerprints. Think about the creativity that goes into that. That God would create us so different. Look at all the different peoples around the world, the different colors, the different color of eyes and hair and just the beauty that God has created in humanity. I'm saying all this to say this. God has created you differently and specifically for a reason. And the way that you share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ will be different than the way I share it 
or the way that, that Bill shares it or the way that Sally shares it. it it's going to be the way that God created you to share it. Now think about this. As you share the good news, the testimony of God's work in your life, it's going to reach someone that I can't reach. It's going to reach someone that Bill can't reach. It's going to reach someone that Sally can't reach. It will be the people that God puts in your circle of responsibility. You have a unique opportunity to share the gospel in a powerful and life-changing way. God wants to use you for his kingdom. God changes people's heart. Have you ever tried to change somebody? <laughs> How'd it go for you, <laughs> right? You know, husbands and wives, you know, we all have these plans, these ideas, these expectations. Maybe it's raising our kids. Or, or maybe it's that coworker that does things just so differently. You know, you, you go in and you're trying to change them and how they perceive information, how they, how they really comprehend things. And it just doesn't go well, does it? We can manipulate, we can try and control, we can bully, but God reaches down in the depths of the heart of people and changes them, truly changes them. He doesn't modify behavior. He doesn't, you know, give them these tools that, that are helpful tools that we have. But God actually goes past all that. He gets down to the very root, the very heart of why we do what we do, our very motivations, and he changes us for his glory. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, it says this, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. We share the truth from God's word and our testimony of his great work in our lives. That's our responsibility. That's it. God does the rest. Don't, don't try and play the role of the Holy Spirit. Don't try and play the role of the Holy Spirit. Let God be God and trust he will do the work of chains. Now, all of us need to share this good news. All of us need to share this good news because God has created us differently and he's gonna use us specifically in unique situations to the people that he's put before us. You know, people were shocked at the Holy Spirit revealing their sins and the need, and, and, and they needed this direction in the next steps. As we share the good news of what Jesus has done, that Jesus rose from the dead, that he is the Messiah, those things that I shared, the gospel or good news of Jesus. People need to know what to do next. They go, what do, I, what do we do? Where do we go from here? What was, what was Peter's response? It was very simple. Repent and be baptized. What does, it, what does that really look like? What does that mean? What is repentance? Well, the word repentance we have in our New Testament today comes from the Greek word metanoia. And metanoia means, it doesn't, here's what doesn't mean. It doesn't mean I'm sorry. It doesn't end there. The Greek word metanoia means change. It, it means that there's this, I've seen what I've done wrong. I've seen that this path that I'm on is, is not a good path. 
that there's some, there's some messed up things in my life and I need help. Metanoia means, it means that I am willing, I am willing to do whatever it takes to make things right. There's a, there's a word we have for this. It's called contrition. It's the state of feeling remorseful and penitent. To show contrition for his crime, he offered to do some community service. This is, it's this idea that, that I see what's going on and I'll do whatever it takes. God, I'll surrender all my life to you. It means I am ready to do whatever it takes to change and deal with this mess that I've made of my life. I'm ready to surrender my rights to the Lord and live for him. It is a willing, total submission of our will to God's will because of the revelation of his great love and what Christ has done for us and the revelation of what I've done in the sins that I've committed. Peter shared that Jesus Christ was the promised Messiah, that this world was broken when sin entered in in the garden. But God had a plan. He would send his one and only son. And his son Jesus would do what no man could do. He would live the perfect life, die the sinner's death, take on the wrath of God for you and me. All the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of his glory. All of us, it's a level playing field. If you're hearing this today, I want you to know that Jesus Christ rose from the dead after three days in the grave and he did it for you because he loves you. And God has had his eye on you since before time began. That emptiness and that struggle in your heart, that longing for meaning, you know, maybe you've tried to find that meaning in, in your job or maybe you've tried to find that meaning in sticking up for those, you know, the little guy. Or maybe you've tried to find that meaning in relationships or sex or drugs or alcohol. God has a meaning and hope for you. And just like Peter said 2,000 years ago, I say to you today, Jesus is that hope. Jesus is that way. And you will find the fulfillment and joy and lasting eternal satisfaction in the person of Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to him. And it's as simple as this, repent and be baptized. Recognize the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, baptism, what's baptism all about? Baptism is just a, an outward expression of an inward work that God is doing in your life right now. That recognition of, of who he is and who you are and what he wants to do in your life. It's a public proclamation that I am God's, that Jesus is my savior. Repent and be baptized. God wants to do that in your life today. Pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the work of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, who even now is doing a great work in our hearts. Lord, I confess my sin. God, that I've, I've gone down the wrong path. That I've, I've tried to do things my way. God, that I've sinned. Lord, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Thank you for coming down from heaven and putting on flesh and becoming the God-man Jesus. Thank you for dying for my sins, doing what I couldn't do. 
Lord, I trust in you. And God, I pray that you would take my life now, all of my life. I surrender my will to yours. Have your way in me. And Lord, we surrender to you. As Mission View Church, we thank you for your goodness and grace to us. We surrender to you and we pray that you would have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I wish I had like another three hours so we could dive into this even more. Maybe we'll do that um, in the next few weeks. But anyways, if you prayed that prayer uh, this morning, I want you to know that you are not the same person you were 30 seconds ago. God has set you aside for him and you are a child of God like we sang about this morning. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to hear from you. Please send me an email or a message to our Facebook page as you're watching online. We would love to hear about God's amazing work in your life. If you have interest in being baptized, email the church, let us know. We're gonna be having a baptism class coming up soon. Anyways, Mission View Church, we love you, miss you, and hopefully we'll be gathering together as a church soon here at Hoover High School on Sunday mornings. We will let you know this week, I'll be giving you an update on Thursday, a live video. Um, I'll post it saved so you can watch it later on in the day if you need to but I'll hopefully be giving some updates on how we're going to be gathering in the near future. God bless you. Have a great rest of your Sunday, and we'll see you this week.